Well, welcome everybody to week three of Family Matters More. Now, for those of you who may be new or maybe you've just been out for the last couple of weeks, the goal, the big idea behind this series is to not only help us recognize how much our family and family relationships matter, but also about helping us be intentional about making them matter more. Now, obviously, the last couple of weeks, we've been focusing on our earthly family, the people that we live with or the people that we grew up with. But as believers, we also get to be a part of another family, a much bigger family. We call it God's family, and we live out those relationships within the context of our church family. And just like our earthly families, with our church families, we experience ups and downs. We experience joys and difficulties. But the great news is we get to walk that journey together. And that's why I'm so excited today that you get to hear from someone who's been a part of our church family here at Cedar Creek Church for over 20 years. Kenny and Judy Thomas moved to Aiken in the summer of 1999. And within weeks of moving here, they connected with us here at Cedar Creek Church and became a part of our church family. But for them, being a part of the family was more than just attending services on Sunday morning. It was about living out their faith outside the walls of our church buildings, and they have done that personally, impacting the lives of individuals in our community in ways we'll never know about this side of heaven. They've also partnered with us and helped us collectively as a church make an impact in this community, hosting our annual Cedar Creek Day at the ballpark every April hosting nine years of baseball camps for special needs children, not to mention countless rodeos and bull rides and other events that literally raise tens of thousands of dollars to help local and national charities make a difference in the lives of people. They are truly examples of what it looks like to live out the mission and vision of this church outside the walls of this church. But you know, this past year, they experienced probably what I would assume is the most difficult part of their life's journey. In the middle of a global pandemic, they experienced their own personal pandemic when Miss Judy was diagnosed with liver cancer. And over the last 14 months, their faith has not just been put to the test and challenged, but their faith has been lived out where the rubber meets the road. And I'm so excited today for you to get to hear this amazing story of God's power, God's promise, and God's presence. So would you help me give a big, warm Cedar Creek Church family welcome to my friend, Coach Kenny Thomas. Love you, buddy. Thank you. Love you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Well, thank you, Philip. Uh, wow, uh, this is a, a great experience for me to be here. The first thing I want to do is 
Miss Judy told me I could not wear my hat. So let's get this over with right now. So I don't have to hear it a hundred times outside after service. Everybody say, I've never seen coach without his hat. Let's get that over with right now. So there I am without my hat. So uh, that pleases Miss Judy. 22 years ago, we moved to Aiken, South Carolina from Gallatin, Tennessee. We were, uh, Judy was a barrel racer, uh, ran those running horses. Uh, we had built a farm there. We had bought 14 acres and uh, over a five-year period tried to pay for the land and built our barn, fenced in the area, built her a riding arena with lights on it and Five years it took us to pay all that off and then we started building our house. We had a friend of ours that was a builder and we designed it and built it ourselves. Uh, not ourselves, but designed it and he built it for us. We moved in and six months later I walked in and said, hey, what do you think about going to Aiken, South Carolina? So we were only in that house for, for six months. I remember our first night here in Aiken uh, we, we had come over, Judy drove the Dooley truck with the horse trailer and two horses and three dogs in her, in her truck with her and I was following her with the U-Haul. The people we bought our house from allowed us to turn our two horses out into the fenced in area that night and we slept in the trucks because we didn't close on the house till the next day. I got up the next morning, took a shower, hate to say it, with a hose pipe. You don't call it a hose pipe around here, it's called a garden hose. A garden hose on, on the balcony of, of the back porch and uh, we went and closed on the house and uh, that night while we were sitting in the driveway, it was about 12, one o'clock and I was starved to death, as most of you know, I do like to eat. And we, we didn't know anybody or anything, so we went to Kroger's, the old Kroger's up there by Old Navy, and I remember Judy turning to me and saying, you know, honey, we don't know one soul in this town. We don't know one person. It's an eerie feeling. It's a real eerie feeling. One of the first things I did after I got here, about a month and a half later, um, I had a baseball camp out at Citizens Park for, for young kids, and... Uh, you know, there's kids running around everywhere out there. I just happened to look over on the fence and there's a gentleman standing there that looked like he was a little intense and paying attention. So I walked over to him and uh, I said, how you doing? And he said he had two, two sons out here in the camp. And he introduced himself as Philip Lee, the associate pastor at Cedar Creek Church. And I told him, I said, you know, when our time was looking for a home, I would go, we, our first two weeks here, we stayed in a hotel, and I would go to uh, work every morning, and Judy would ride with a real estate agent and go look at different places, and then they'd come back and get me at four o'clock and go look at the one or two that she liked. That only lasted about two weeks, so I had to look at 14 different places, but uh, during that time, the real estate agent said, asked Miss Judy one day, said, what kind of church do y'all go to or what kind of denomination you go to? And she said, well, you know, Coach, he ain't too good about dressing up. He don't like all that dressing up. And she's, well, you need to go to Cedar Creek Church. So I told Philip Lee that night at Citizens Park, I said, we tried to find that place last Sunday. We didn't know anything about Banks Mill Road. So we couldn't find it. He explained how to get there and 
his two sons were participating in my camp that night. Uh, Philip Jr. and uh, Rick were both out there, and it was the start of a great, great, great relationship. For 21 years, we've spent here winning baseball games, working 70, 72 hours a, a week. Uh, I know one day we were sitting on the beach in the summer, and Judy and Jenny, our daughter, started trying to figure out how much time I spent at the stadium. And they came up with this wild figure of 72% of my life was spent at the stadium. On February the 23rd of 2020, a lot of things changed and our 14-month journey started. We were playing at UNC Pembroke that weekend. We have a home that we bought two years ago in Margaritaville, Hilton has. Yes, Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, I guess I am a parrot head, I don't know, but yes, Margaritaville. We have a home there. Judy had spent the week down there. Uh, then she got on 95 on Friday, on Interstate 95 on Friday and drove to North Carolina, to Pembroke, North Carolina, where we were playing that weekend. On Sunday after our final game, I got in her Jeep and followed her home to Aiken, South Carolina. Followed the bus home, I mean, not her. Followed the bus home to Aiken, South Carolina. When we got back, as she knew, on days that we lose tough games, old coach is probably going to stay in the office for a couple of hours afterwards and try to figure out what went wrong. We lost a tough game that day. So when we got back to the stadium, she went on home. I stayed there for a couple hours. When I got home after midnight, she was sitting in a chair and she was white as a sheet, just extremely white. And I said, what's wrong, honey? She said, I think I just had a mini stroke. I blacked out. My body went hot. I don't know what happened. So we were going, I said, well, let's go to the hospital. Well, you don't, hey, she's stubborn, I'm not. Remember that. She's stubborn, I'm not. I said, let's go to the hospital. And she said, let's just wait and call Dr. Yeomans in the morning, our primary doctor. So we, we did that, and that was the beginning of 13 times that God showed up through this journey. She went to the hospital, and for two days at Aiken Regional, they checked her for a stroke. Couldn't find anything. Before they got ready to release her, the, the doctor came in and said, started punching around on her. And when they hit a certain spot, she kind of flinched. The doctor said, did that hurt? She said, yes. And the doctor said, let's do one more blood work before you leave. And they did. The doctor came back in in a couple hours and said, how long have you been anemic? Judy said, I didn't know I was anemic. So she ordered a colonoscopy. Well, Judy had entered the hospital for a stroke. So as we all know, insurance not going to pay for that colonoscopy because... She was there for a stroke. So she had to check out of the hospital. Dr. Yeomans gets the colonoscopy set up on March the 12th. 
March the 12th was diagnosis day, a day I'll never forget. They, shortly after her, she woke up from the colonoscopy, the doctor walked in the room and told us that she had cancer. That was devastating. That was devastating. You got to know this. We almost didn't have the colonoscopy. She showed up aching regional. I dropped her off at the door. I went to park the car, and I walked back in, and she's standing at the window like this. And I walked in, that, and I said, what happened, honey? She said, they have, they have taken me off the schedule. Somebody has canceled this, and I will not drink this stuff again, and I will not come back. I am not drinking this mess again, so I'm done. If they don't do this today, I'm done. Luckily, the doctor was still there. Luckily, we talked to some people, and they went on and did the colonoscopy. And again, told her she had cancer that day. On March the 13th, the very next day, they shut college baseball down because of COVID. I had to go in the locker room at 1.30 in the afternoon and tell my players that our season was over. We were scheduled to play Columbus State that night at six o'clock at the stadium. They were stopped on the bus and, to, and sent back to Columbus. At the time, that was devastating. Later, I realized that was a blessing because that allowed me to be with her for a long time. That day she was diagnosed, I called Philip Lee. One thing he told me, one thing he told me, Remember, God's going to show up several times through this. The first time God showed up. For two weeks, we were trying to get a PET scan. They needed to check the rest of her body. COVID had us stopped. Every time we tried to get one, COVID had it stopped. Dr. Yeomans, Stephen Yeomans, grabbed a hold of the situation and found us a spot that we could get in in Beaufort, South Carolina to do the PET scan. God showed up for the first time right then because we needed that PET scan as soon as possible. Time was not on our side. Then came the results and the start of the bad news. There was spots on her liver. A biopsy was set for Aiken Regional to check her liver. We get to Aiken Regional I can't go in. She goes in. 15 minutes later, she comes walking out the door, squalling, crying. They have somehow messed up and canceled her biopsy today. She was mentally prepared for this. Understand, they take a needle and go through your rib cage and go down to your liver. God showed up for the second time. I called Dr. Yeomans on a Friday. His day off was that day. He answered his cell phone. He said, just sit tight right there, coach, and let me see if I can get this worked out. 20 minutes later, his wife called, said, are y'all still there? Yes. 15 minutes later, a nurse called, said, Dr. Gay is still here. We're going to get you in right now to do this biopsy. Two days later came the next bad news. Spots on her liver are cancer. Devastating news. At that point, we were sent to a new doctor in Augusta. A pair of doctors in the same office. One liver specialist and one colon specialist. After five meetings with the doctor 
it was figured out that we were going to do both procedures at the same time. They're going to make one incision, go in, the colon doctor's going to do his thing. He's going to turn it over to the liver doctor. There is a possibility we deport that and stop that because of some difficulties, but that is the plan in April to do this surgery both together. 5% chance, he told us, of a bile leakage. The day of the surgery, Philip Lee, Jenny, our daughter, David Brinkley, my dear friend, we all sit in the parking garage for many hours waiting. God showed up for the third time. God showed up when that phone call came through and said, we got to do both procedures. The surgery was successful. We took 40% of Judy's colon and we took four spots of cancer off her liver. For the next few days, I sat on a park bench out in front of Augusta Hospital. I could not go to Aiken. I could not sit. I couldn't go in the hospital, but I couldn't be at home. It drove me crazy. So I would sit on a park bench and Jenny would come down and sit with me and beg me to go home. But I just had to be close. Three days later, the next bad news. We've got the 5%. She has a bile leakage. 15 days of very painful, painful stay in Augusta Hospital with a bile leakage. Two drains, one in her side, one in her back, along with a rapid heartbeat of 250 times a minute that sent her to the ICU for four days. Finally, on the 15th day, she gets out of the hospital and she comes home. Seven days later, we had a doctor's appointment. We go in, everything's looking good. The drain has stopped. They take the drain out. I'll never forget it. The next morning, she felt the best she'd felt in a long time. I even took her to Belk's that morning to get some uh, new shoes. And she, it was a Friday morning. She was feeling good. Five o'clock that same Friday afternoon, she begins throwing up bile. Bad news, bad news, really bad. We call the doctor, we go back to the hospital, we have to go in through the emergency room. COVID is here, remember, COVID's here. They have a big tent set up out in front of the emergency room. They take her in the tent, They test her for COVID. It takes two hours to get the results. I had to stand on the sidewalk outside the tent listening to her throw up over and over and over till they finally got the test back and let her in the hospital. A day and a half later, they get the, the bowel, they get the throwing up stopped. The doctors decide at this point we're going to take six weeks to let her recoup before we start chemo. Judy and I decided that she wanted to have her chemo done in, in Bluffton near Margaritaville, her happy place. Yes, Parrothead, Margaritaville. Her happy place. So we get set up down there. A few days later, 
she gets enough strength to drive the two hours to Bluffton. God showed up for the fourth time that day. As we pulled through the gates of Margaritaville and we turned down our street, summertime place, there's, I had called our next door neighbor to tell him we were coming. There's two parties on the side of the road as we go down the street waving at Judy. We pulled in our driveway and there's 60 people in our driveway celebrating Judy's arrival back, music playing, cheering. God showed up that day. Late June came and chemo started. Every other Monday, I dropped her off at the cancer center. She would stay all day on Monday, come home Monday evening with a pump, keep that on till Wednesday afternoon, then she would go back and take it off. I'd sit in the parking lot every Monday morning when she'd go in and talk to Philip Lee. We would pray, we would cry. He knew what time she was going in, so he would call me or he knew I would call him. September brought the next set of bad news. After four rounds of chemo, they found a new spot on her liver. I was in the Kroger store next door, grocery shopping when I dropped her off at the cancer center. She called, I knew that wasn't good. She said, they're not gonna do chemo today because we found, they found another spot on my liver. So back to the surgeon we go. The surgeon and oncologist decided no surgery because we've had bile leakage. No surgery, let's change the formula of the chemo and keep going. These months, three, two months through there brought three nights of terror for me. Three different times she had to go to the emergency room with a 240 to 250 heartbeat. I watched as they stuck an IV in her arm and gave her medicine that stopped her heart and hoping it starts back. The third time, I couldn't watch it. I had to go outside. I couldn't watch it. I went outside and I said, God, I can't take any more. I can't take any more. God showed up two weeks later, the fifth time. As we did a heart ablation with Dr. Berman in Augusta, Georgia, after several hours of the procedure, Dr. Berman walked in and said, I found the four spots that was on her heart that was causing them, and I got them off. Two people that stayed with me through these times was Philip Lee, and another gentleman, elderly gentleman named Aaron Woodard, who is a minister of a very, very, very small church here in Aiken. He's an elderly gentleman that Judy met. He, she was in, he was in her bowling league on Thursday nights. Both of them called me every week, prayed for us, encouraged us. I started a text group with coaches in the baseball profession and Major League Baseball personnel that were praying for Judy every week. The eighth round finished, the eighth round of chemo finished. At that time, they said the spot on her liver had not grown, so that meant the chemo was working. And let's keep the same formula going. 
She had started to lose a lot of weight, started to have some bad days. Eating had become a problem. But as I kept saying, she's tougher than most. She is tougher than most. Chemo continues through Christmas and New Year's. Then the next bad news came. Twelfth round of chemo finished on January 6th. It's time to scan again. The next bad news was tough. The spot on her liver had grown. Tissues around her liver were cancerous. It's time to head back to the surgeon in Augusta. We go back to the surgeon and oncologist in Augusta. They tell us there's nothing they can do. We could try a clinical trial, but this is a mass on her liver. It's cancerous. The stuff around her liver is tissue that's cancerous. They said, we can try to send you to a radiology doctor that can go through her growing and implant chemo seeds on that spot. The next day they called me, she doesn't know that till today, and said they couldn't do that spot. They couldn't do that. It wasn't going to work. The sixth time God showed up, we were leaving the radiology doctor. Dr. Yeomans calls me. Dr. Yeomans said this afternoon, you're going to get a call from a doctor at Johns Hopkins Hospital. Dr. Yeomans had took it upon himself to not accept the diagnosis. And he had called a friend of his at Johns Hopkins Hospital that was an oncologist. That friend of his had gotten Judy's records, her scans, and taken them to a surgeon there at Johns Hopkins that said he could possibly extract that spot. We had an appointment on February 5th to meet with Dr. Chris Schubert, surgeon at Johns Hopkins Hospital. Judy was really sick through these three weeks. She could literally not walk across this stage. She was very, very sick. Late January, we go to family pharmacy here in Aiken to pick up her prescription and they pull us into spot one because it's not ready. I look back in the back parking lot and they're giving the COVID vaccine. We are very concerned about COVID at this point. I'm coaching young guys. I'm coaching 18 to 22 year olds that actually could care less about COVID. But I cannot catch it and bring it home to my wife. That would be devastating. So we're sitting in the parking lot of family pharmacy and one of the girls comes out to hand the person in spot two their prescription. And I said, Lacey, I wrote the window down. I said, Lacey, Miss Judy needs that COVID shot, that vaccination. She said, I know she does, and you do too. Seventh time God showed up. That same afternoon, Stuart Henderson from Family Pharmacy called me. Coach, you and Judy come right now. I have two shots left. We went and got our vaccination. February the 3rd, I met with my team. Told them, not sure when I'll be back. We're leaving tomorrow to go to Johns Hopkins. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to do surgery. I have no idea what they're going to do. I told them that I had talked to Aaron Woodard that morning. 
And Aaron told me this, Coach, although he calls me Coach, Coach, you can't live with fear and faith. One of them's going to take over. So I told my team that I was choosing faith. The next day, we started the long drive to Baltimore, Maryland. I didn't know if she was going to make it. She was so sick. February 5th, we got up at the hotel. She was really sick, but she went and made it through the MRI and the blood work. And then at 3.30 in the afternoon, I stayed on the first floor because I couldn't go in and she went up to the eighth floor to Dr. Chris Schubert's office. God showed up that day the eighth time. About an hour and a half after she'd been up there, the nurse called said she's going to be admitted to the hospital. She is, her white blood cells are over 30,000. 9,000 is the normal. She's sick. She's septic. Her body is septic. They took her straight to the hospital. For the next 11 days, I sat in a hotel room in Baltimore, Maryland. Dr. Rusty Johnson, who was the doctor at Dr. Yeomans, called in the beginning, would call me every day and give me a little bit of an update. On the third day he called, I was asking him questions. He said, Coach, her white cells are 31,000 today. It's very serious, it's very dangerous. She is septic, she is, her liver has an infection. We have a good team working on it. I knew that right then how serious this was. My text group of coaches was praying hard. Philip and Aaron were playing, praying hard. All I needed to do was to lay in the bed at night and pray. I watched my team go on the road for their opening weekend with me sitting in a hotel in Baltimore. And I watched them give up 47 runs and score five in three days in a three-game three series. I knew they were hurting I knew they were hurting. On the 11th day, she got out of the hospital there with the drain still on her side. We drove back to Aiken. We left the hotel in Baltimore, Maryland, went an alternate route to stay off of 95 in the traffic. Come, we had a plan to get to Lynchburg, Virginia and spend the night. Our granddaughter was with us. She had flown up there to stay with me at the hotel for a few days. She started calling hotels in Lynchburg. Every one of them was full. She finally finds one room at a Homewood Suites in Lynchburg, and we booked it, and she asked, why is every hotel in Lynchburg booked tonight? Well, they were expecting a winter storm tonight, and everybody's getting out of their home and coming to a hotel in case they lose their power. So we checked in the hotel at four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Again, she was tougher than most to be able to handle all this. I knew we couldn't get stuck in Lynchburg with a winter storm. So I said, honey, go in and sleep a little while. We're leaving at 10 o'clock tonight. We gotta beat this storm. So we did. Then we drove from 10 o'clock at night to one in the morning to Concord, North Carolina and checked in a Spring Hill Suites. My granddaughter looked at me when we were checking in the hotel, said, 
I don't know that I've ever been in three hotels in one day. I said, come to think of it, I don't think I have either. Dr. Yeomans took over for the next seven days when we arrived at home. He, they did blood work every day for seven straight days watching her white blood cells go down. Judy watched the game that weekend. I got back, tried to get my team back together. Judy watched the game from the car for the next three weekends. I'd pull the car inside the stadium where she could watch. Tougher than most. Most people could not have done that. On Thursday, March the 11th, we flew out of Atlanta, Georgia to go back to meet with Dr. Schubert. Our plan was to fly out Thursday, have the appointment Friday, fly back to Atlanta Saturday morning, get back in the car, drive to Columbus, Georgia, and be there before my game at two o'clock on Saturday at Columbus, Georgia. The ninth time that God showed up, when we got on the plane, Judy had wheelchair access because she couldn't walk through the airport. So we were the first to load the plane leaving Atlanta. They rolled her right down to the door. As she goes on, I noticed a flight attendant there paying quite a bit of attention. The flight attendant, as we got on, we were the first people on the plane. She walked back to our seat and asked Judy if she was okay. And Judy said, well, we're a little nervous. We hadn't flown in about 30 years. And I'm going to Johns Hopkins for a very important thing about my cancer. The flight attendant, as we started to descend into Baltimore, we hadn't seen her the rest of the flight because she worked up front. Of course, we was in the back. And she walked back there and she handed Judy a card. It says, Miss Judy, I wish you well. I will be praying that you receive the best news tomorrow. I know it can be scary and nerve-wracking waiting to hear, but remember this. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you surely. I will help you. Isaiah 41.10, which is what ironically Danny read this morning. And she said, love Jacqueline. We never heard, we don't know who Jacqueline is. But that was the ninth time that God showed up. That was an angel. On March the 12th, which is a year from the diagnosis day, she had her appointment with Dr. Schubert. Had a scan, blood work, and a check-in. The 10th time God showed up, he put the screens up on January's scan, today's scan. The abscess is gone. The stuff around her liver, it's gone. There is four small spots on her liver that they think they may have to extract. But let's go home and let's get stronger, let's eat. She had lost 55 pounds. Let's go home, get stronger, come back in a month and we'll extract those spots. Two weeks later, I get a call. We get back to Aiken. I'm fixing to go out for batting practice. J 
Judy calls and she said, you've got to get on this three-way call. It was Johns Hopkins Hospital. A lump went in my throat. The 11th time God showed up. The nurse practitioner says, Mr. and Ms. Thomas, those spots on her liver, those four spots are benign. They are cysts. They're not cancer. I started crying, hugging my coaches, my assistant coaches. I went out and told our players, if you see me crying today, I can't help it. It's happy tears. Johns Hopkins wanted an MRI with a certain kind of injection in it and more blood work to make sure there was no more cancer and that these spots were cysts. Dr. Yeomans set that up. Five days later after the MRI, Dr. Yeomans calls me. And I said, do you know the results? He said, when's the party? MRI looks good, but it's gone back to Johns Hopkins. The 12th time God showed up was April 7th. Judy and I driving home from America's Georgia where, where we had played the night before. I've, I took my car every road trip this time just because if something happened, I would have it instead of riding the bus. We're riding home on Wednesday morning. The phone rings and it's Dr. Schubert. He said, Miss Thomas, you are cancer free. Later that day, I called Dr. Yeomans and I said, Doc, we will be indebted to you for life for what you did. Take it upon yourself to get us there to Johns Hopkins. His answer, listen to this. No, no, no. I work through the Lord. And the Lord told me to send y'all to Johns Hopkins. The next morning, Rusty Johnson, the doctor there, called. He said, many of us work through Jesus. And myself and Dr. Yeomans are two of them. And he said, God healed Miss Judy. He said, when we arrived at Johns Hopkins on February 5th, she probably had 48 hours to live. It was a miracle. Last week, Judy told me for the first time that while she was in the hospital, the third day at Johns Hopkins, two doctors came in. One of them started asking her about her final arrangements and had, did she have them set? And did she need to have her husband come in so they can set the final arrangements? I asked her, I said, Judy, what'd you tell him? Remember what I said about stubborn? She pointed at him and said, get out. I'm not finished. I'm not done. This journey this morning is being told for one reason and one reason only, to encourage other people in this situation. Don't stop praying. Don't stop fighting. Never give up and choose faith over fear. My sister said it best. God let the virus come down to earth but he's chosen a few people and Judy's one of them to let you know that he's still here and he's still in control there's only one scenario 
in this whole thing. God healed her. You can believe whatever you want to believe. There's only one scenario. God healed her. So the 13th time that God showed up is this morning. A fighter like none other. A woman of faith like none other. A woman who never gave up and a true inspiration. Ladies and gentlemen, my wife, Miss Judy Thomas. Thank you. Thank you, church family, Coach Judy. Thank you, not just for sharing your story, for giving God the glory, but thank you for allowing us to walk not only this last 14 months with you, but to walk these last 22 years with you as your church family. And we're just so grateful for y'all. And you begin a new journey. Some of you may know this. Uh, Kenny is officially retired as the head baseball coach, retired as the winningest baseball coach in USC Aiken history. Um, but you know what? That's not the biggest piece of his legacy. His legacy is his faith, their faith. They've been living that out for 22 years here in our community, impacting the lives of countless young men who are now better men better dads, better fathers, better husbands. And that is the legacy. And God's going to continue to use you. Kenny and Judy are taking their next step. Kenny is retiring from USC Aiken, but he's going to be coaching summer league baseball with college baseball players from all over the country from a Christ-centered ministry called Full Count Ministries. And they're going to begin in June their season. He's going to have a chance to continue to impact lives. And so Kenny and Judy, we, we didn't want this day and this moment to pass without just giving you a small token of our appreciation. Somebody somewhere in the back should be coming out. And of course, it's Rick. Just something that you can look at and help you remember uh, your years here with the day at the ballpark, the special needs camp, and our friendship. And it just simply says, presented to Kenny and Judy Thomas for 22 years of faithful service to the Cedar Creek Church family and the Aiken community. Well done, Thank good you. and faithful servant. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's pray together. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for all the times that you show up. Because we recognize today that you are always with us. You never leave us or forsake us. Even in those dark moments and those long, painful nights, when it just hurts to take the next breath, Lord, you are right there with us. And so I thank you for this testimony. But I thank you for your presence, for those who are here, one of our campuses, 
watching online. I know there are folks walking through their long, dark night, praying for their miracle, their moment. And God, I thank you that whatever the outcome is, what never, ever changes is your love for us, your presence with us, and your power to bring good out of any situation. So I pray people will be encouraged today wherever they are in their journey. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>